buddy, put that thing back in its holster. We haven't gone anywhere. I don't understand. Check out the MichaelDukesShow.com for information on how to get access to the podcast. The Michael Dukes Show. The greed and the entitlement is astounding to me. What more could you want from a low-budget radio program? This is a dumpster fire. That was just BS. It is time to get a new perspective. We know just what you need, and we've got just the cure. Open wide and prepare for a steaming hot cup of freedom. I just don't fathom it. The Michael Dukes Show, streaming live across the world. Oh, yeah, baby. How's that for some tunes right there? Welcome back to it. It is the Michael Dukes Show, broadcasting live across the state of Alaska on this, your favorite radio station, and, oh, translator, and around the world at MichaelDukesShow.com on the internet. Hi, how are you? What's going on? You guys ready to, uh, you guys ready to rock and roll this morning? Uh, I am. I'm ready to. I'm ready to do my thing. Uh, today is Tuesday, which uh, I mean, you know the drill. Tuesdays are our days to put on our thinking cap and do the deep dive. That's right. We're gonna we're gonna dive into stuff and get into it today. Brad Keithley from Alaskans for uh, Sustainable Budgets is going to be uh, is going to be with us this morning. And he's going to be covering those weekly top three things. And uh, we're going to be talking about uh, uh, whether or not there should be a reestablishment of a defined benefit program. We're going to talk about some AKLNG news. And we're going to talk about the federal infrastructure bill and how it's all this free money that's going on in the state, except for, well, no, maybe it still costs us some money as well. And so. It's gonna be, it's it's gonna be a, it's gonna be a fun discussion with Brad Keithley here in just a uh, in just a bit. So look forward to that here uh, in uh, about fifteen minutes or so. We're gonna be diving into that with Brad, and we will have him on board for the remainder of hour one. We'll take a few phone calls in hour two. Talk with you a little bit as listeners and see if uh, you know what your thoughts are on what Brad has talked about. If there's anything that just sticks right out at you that. Uh, you want to you want to chew on a little bit uh, and any other news that's going on out there, including, I mean, it's it's awfully quiet. It's awfully quiet out there. Awfully quiet. I mean, there's been some there's been some stuff on the national news headline. We talked a little bit about it yesterday. Joe Manchin endorsing Lisa Murkowski and Murkowski and Young pushing back against the RNC's comments on the January 6th uh, riot and. You know, Sarah Palin's in the news again for her libel scandal. But on the local level, there's not a lot of uh, not a lot of stuff going on. Nope. So, uh, I mean, other than, uh, you know, they're going to have Oath Keepers is going to be, you know, they're going to they're going to talk about that in the legislature because, I mean, they don't have more important things like budgets and stuff, but they're going to focus on that for sure. So just in case you were wondering, just in case you were wondering. Uh, so anyway, uh, we're going to talk with, uh, Brad Keithley here in the first part of the show. And then, uh, in, uh, hour two, as normal, we will start off with a few phone calls and then we'll dive into it with our friend, uh, 
with our friend, our mentor, our guru of positivity, Chris Story. Chris Stiffer Story will join us. Anyway, he's going to come in and uh, I don't know where I was going with that, but he's going to be joining us and uh, going to give us our weekly dose of positivity. Oh, wait, he told me what the he told me. He told me yesterday what the topic, I mean, he gave me the finger yesterday. I mean, not literally, but well, yeah, actually, maybe it was kind of literally. It was in my text message. He, you know, he always treats me with such disdain. Uh, Are you running a protection racket? That's his question for today. Are you running a protection racket? And I really lied. He didn't really give me the finger, but I like to, he likes to poke fun at me sometimes. So I like to poke right back. That's how it works. Okay. Um, <clears throat> what what do we what do we want to talk? What 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 headline did I want to talk about today? There was something. Um, that, I mean, it's just there's just nothing. Um, a whole is a whole. Here we are. What are we? Three weeks into the legislative session, right? Am I can I count correctly? Because today's Tuesday, right? So uh, that puts us. Um, I mean, this is like squarely into the uh, one, two, three. Holy cow. One, two, three. This is like four weeks. We're four weeks into this thing. Uh, the legislative session today marks the beginning of the fourth week. There is nothing, nothing happening in the legislature. I mean, yeah, there's a few little meetings behind the scenes. but just And then, of course, we're going to be studying and investigating Oath Camp. I mean, how much time did they burn trying to remove uh, uh, David Eastman from all of his committees? Right? I mean, first they wanted to expel him from the legislature as a, as a, in total, which, I mean, to me, that makes uh, – like him or love him, hate him or, or whatever. I mean, there's just – there's no – there was no reason to try and expel him completely from the legislature because he literally did nothing except – pay a lifetime membership fee to a group 12 or 14 years ago. He did not, I mean, no charges, no nothing. We're going to expel him for that reason whatsoever. So when they discovered they didn't have, of course, the votes to expel him, well, now we're going to hold hearings for a couple of days to see if we can get him removed from the committees. And now they're not even going to do that. Now, <laughs> I mean, it just, now they're not even going to do that because... They just don't have the horsepower to make it happen. So instead, we're just going to hold a hearing. We're going to hold a hearing about Oath Keepers because they're evil. We know they are. I mean, but I mean, this is, here we are again, four weeks into this. And this is what we're getting. This is what, this is what we're coming out of. There's just nothing else happening in the legislature. I happened to run into a legislator on Friday who was back in the Valley. Um, and I asked him, I said, well, what's going on? I said, well, there's just, there, you know, there's nothing happening. I needed to come back for some, some constituency meetings and there was just nothing happening. So I left this morning and I came back and I, and I will go back on Monday or Tuesday of next week when something is actually maybe potentially happening. I mean, this is the whole thing. I mean, we were supposed to remember. Do you remember who? how many of you remember the vote in 1999? Was it 2000, 2001? 
uh, I mean, I mean, let's face it. It was 20 years ago. The vote 20 years ago to change the legislative session length to 90 days. Well, I mean, I carried a petition. I actually went and got a petition and signed it, carried it around, passed it around. Remember, Jay Ramrus was the was the the leader of that. And again, love or hate Jay Ramrus, agree with him or disagree with him. The guy was not wrong when he was talking about how ridiculous he he started this petition after he went down to the legislature the first time, and he's like. We're wasting a lot of time here. What, you know, shouldn't we shorten this up? And all the politics, oh, we couldn't possibly do that. We we need all that time to the... And here we are, four weeks, starting on our fourth week into this special session, with absolutely the most important thing that happened is that... Uh, uh, you know, the most the most news making thing that happened is that Ron Gillum had a heart attack. Thank God he survived. But I mean, that's like the biggest th- I mean, outside of this whole thing with Eastman and and this this witch hunt on uh, on Eastman, that's pr- pretty much it. Oh, they've talked about having a few hearings and Senate finance and they're going to spend one hundred thousand dollars to uh, to issue subpoenas for an inquiry as to why Angela Rodell get fired. Oh, and they opposed their pay cut, so they did They did vote on that. But other than that, as far as dealing with what's going on with our budgets and how they're, uh, you know, they're going to fix the budgetary problem, yeah, they seem to have forgotten all about that. Obviously, not everybody has forgotten about that. But those that are in charge, again, four weeks into this, I guess I should... This is the start of the fourth week. I shouldn't overstate it. I shouldn't, shouldn't do that. My apologies. It, today is the start of the fourth week. Three full weeks, though. And it's just, I mean, continual. This just, yeah, I mean, we should have a 90-day limited session. What was the thing we were talking yesterday with Vance Jinn? Uh, he was talking about Texas has a biennial legislature. Where they set the they set everything every two years. Maybe we should maybe we should be looking into that. I mean, if we're gonna if we're gonna have a constitutional convention this year, which it seems like it's more and more likely that that's what's going to happen. People are going to finally. I mean, people are going to be forced to vote on that, right? Because there's just nothing else going on. And if they're forced to vote on that, then uh, then you know maybe we start taking a look at. Do we need a constitutional convention to make that uh, make that work, or do we need a excuse me? Do we need a biennial legislature to make that work? I mean, they just they just seem to forget. I mean, how how far do we have to get into the ninety day or the hundred and twenty day session before somebody says, "Hey, uh, we forgot about this budget bill over here. Maybe we should pick this thing up and start," you know, futzing around. I mean, why why does it take? 30 to 45 days for them to even, even on a good, I mean, I'm not talking about last time when they had problems getting organized. I'm talking about even when they're organized, it seems like the first 30 days is soirees and parties and get togethers and glad handing and nothing really moves beyond that. I mean, why does it take that long? Right? I mean, I'm asking for a friend. Why does it take that long? So, um, Oh man! All right. So anyway, we're gonna um, 
we're gonna these are the these are the issues that these are the issues that uh really you know keep me up at night as I lay there thinking about it. Um Representative Carpenter says, uh, Colleen Sullivan Leonard's in the chat room. She says, Representative Carpenter was correct yesterday on the House floor when he said, where's the fiscal plan and policy? The legislature has lots of money, so they'll kick the can down the road again. We're going to have uh, Ben Carpenter on the program this week. We're also going to have uh, Joe Geldhoff and Donna Arduin on the program to talk about the permanent fund. And on Thursday, normally it's tomorrow, but on Thursday... This this week, uh, Mike Shower is going to be joining us. I got a lot of stuff going on. A lot of stuff. Going on. So, anyway, tomorrow is going to be um, tomorrow is going to be Geldhoff and uh, Donna Ardwin in our uh, two. And um, make it sure that I didn't make it sure that I didn't screw that up and just give you the wrong just didn't give you the wrong date. Uh, but Wednesday, 700. Yep. So tomorrow, uh, it's going to be Joe Geldhoff, Donna Arduin. And then um, after that, uh, we will have uh, Mike Shower on on Thursday with uh, uh, with Ben Carpenter on earlier in the hour, either tomorrow or Thursday. We'll let, we'll let you know. We'll let you know. All right. Well, enough of this. We're going to uh, we're gonna we're gonna hit the skids here. We're gonna take a break, and when we get back, we're going to continue. Brad Keithley is going to be our guest for the weekly top three. That's all dead ahead here. It is the Michael Duke Show. Common sense, liberty based, free thinking radio. Come on out and join us on Facebook as well if you'd like to be part of the chat room. Facebook.com/slash Michael Duke Show. Also on YouTube and Twitch TV and pretty much anywhere you can find us, we're there. All right, we'll return with more right after this. If you missed the show, you can listen to it on your time with Dukes On Demand. Oh, and it's free. Like America used to be. Streaming live every weekday morning on Facebook Live and MichaelDukesShow.com. Okay. Well, hi. How are you? Um, I'm just going back here. The Nikiski rep said it was time to fix the budget long term, and Stutes tried to shut him down. That was Ben Carpenter. Yep. Um, it takes five to six months before they remember the budget as their primary job. I'll, I'll have to go back and watch um, Ben's speech yesterday on the floor. Uh, I mean, I love to watch Louise Stutes just. Uh, <laughs> what? <laughs> I mean, I just, you know, when. Uh, oh, it's not. I don't even. I just don't even have it here. I was just going to say, uh, I love watching Louise Stutes trying to, uh, uh, you know, run the meetings and do all this stuff when, for example, she can't even, she, she can't, you know, Mr. You know, Representative Prox, be very careful. I mean, what? Be very careful. Okay. All right. I mean, oof. Okay. Um, <laughs> love to watch it. Love to watch it. 
All right, I'm going to get uh, Brad Keithley on the blower here pretty quick uh, because I want to make sure it's all set and ready. We had a we had a few challenges yesterday or last week when we did this. So let me see if we can uh, let's see if we can get this going on here, shall we? Oh, hey, look, I got audio this time. Last time we had a few technical difficulties. And Brad is with us, and he's listening. Uh, he's listening. Uh, there's a little bit of a delay. I can hear that on the thing. Uh, we cannot connect to your camera. That's fine. That's fine. All right. Hi, Brad. How are you? Um, I could see. The location. Uh, there, there we go. All hi, right. Br- hi, Brad. Hi, Michael. How are you doing? You know, I'm okay. I'm okay. Let's, I mean, we'll see if we can get this thing to hold together. Hold together, baby. Hold together. Um, we'll see if we can. Sorry, that's a Star Wars quote for those of you who missed that. Um, yeah, so uh, you you all ready to do the weekly top three? I am. I'm trying a new connection, so hopefully it works better than uh, than last week. Yeah, we'll see. I don't know if it's you or me, but one of us. I mean, it, uh, it's not you. It's probably me, Brad. Don't worry. It's <laughs> nothing wrong with you, Brad. It's probably all me. Yeah. So yeah, I suspect it was a little bit of both of us. Yeah, but, uh, but I'm I'm trying I'm trying something different at my end to see if that works better. Okay, good, good. Well, you look you look a lot clearer this morning. So. You were a little pixely. You were a little pixely last time. Not that. Uh, not that these people sign up to see either your or my face in the morning, but uh, it is what it is. So, uh, all right. Well, we're uh, we're good to go. We're about ninety seconds out. So I'm going to jump back uh, over, and I will be back to you here in just a hot minute. Don't go anywhere. Uh, all right, folks. Please do me a favor. Uh, like and share this video. Like and share. Uh, like and follow the show page. And uh, if you're on YouTube, uh, please make sure that you uh, please make sure that you uh, like or excuse me, hit the hit the button, subscribe button and ring the bell, hit the subscribe button and ring the bell. All right. Um, And that will be good for you. All right. Let me go over here and see what else is, if anything, has been said in the chat room because I've been trying to get caught up in, you know, all the technical stuff. Good morning, my fellow free thinkers and degenerates, says Anthony. Anybody catch the new theme song this morning? I got the new theme song, so Facebook would keep killing me from orbit. I mean, it's what it would do. It would nuke me from orbit every show. Uh, and now we got the new theme song, so we probably don't have to worry about that. But I put a lot of juicy stuff in there, including Roger Holland's dumpster fire comment, which is one of my favorites. And we need to get a new perspective from Natasha. There's some good stuff in there. I might update that periodically with some of the new stuff coming out of the uh, legislature because that stuff is comedy gold, man. There is some stuff in there. You just you can't help but make uh, make hay on that stuff. Um, all right, so uh, we're gonna uh, we're gonna we're gonna jump into this. Let's get uh, let's get this thing going on. The Michael Duke Show, common sense, liberty based, free thinking radio. Uh, don't forget also, I think I've now got the workflow put together so the podcast will be up every morning on time. You can check out the podcast over on Spotify. Let's do this thing. Here we go.
Welcome back to the program. It is the Michael Duke Show, broadcasting live across the state of Alaska on this yo favorite radio station and or translator. We're going to jump into it now. The weekly top three. That's what it's all about. Brad Keithley is our guest. Alaskans for Sustainable Budgets. He comes on uh, every week to give us the uh, rundown of what he thinks are the three most important things uh, to talk about out there. And we start off this morning with uh, with him. Good morning, Brad. How are you doing? Michael, I'm doing great today. How about you? You know, I've got uh, I got no complaints. I got no complaints, my friend. It is uh, it is what it is. Every day above ground is a, yesterday was a, I will say yesterday was a Monday. Uh, today is a Tuesday, so I'm feeling pretty good about that part of it. I made it. I made it to Tuesday. Congratulations to all of us for surviving. Um, it looks like you made you made the drive in this morning to Anchorage. I, so I actually that. I made the drive in this morning to Anchorage, which was survivable. Which you know, it's always nice. Four o'clock in the morning, nobody nobody on the roads. Me and six other guys on the road, so I feel pretty good about it. Um, all right, well let's uh, let's dive into it here, Brad. The weekly top three. What uh, I guess where where are we gonna where are we gonna start here? We're gonna talk about this federal infrastructure bill because everybody's talking about how great it was that we got all this federal. Look at who brought home the bacon. This reminds me of the whole Ted Stevens thing. Look at who's bringing home the bacon. Uh, you know Murkowski and Young and everybody's touting it, and now they're gonna use it as a campaign slogan. But wait, wait, wait. You mean all this money's not free? I mean, not only is it printed money, not only is it not really tax dollars. In fact. Um, it's going to cost us some money on top of all that stuff. What's up? Yeah. So you were talking about the legislature not doing much last week was sort of a, a love fest, uh, about, uh, about the new federal infrastructure bill. And as you said, all of the money that it's going to, uh, going to bring into the state. Uh, there was also an economic report, uh, that Musin Gatabi, uh, published last week. Uh, that talked about the jobs impact of the federal infrastructure bill and said that uh, the job the the bill may bring uh, as much as fourteen thousand uh, additional jobs uh, to the state. So it's everybody's you know all excited about it, appropriately so, but all excited about the additional money and the and the projects and the uh, and the uh, potential for uh, money going out uh, uh, broadly in Alaska, both to uh, broadband uh, and to other projects uh, out west in Bush, Alaska. As well as uh, as well as projects in uh, urban Alaska, and the jobs uh, and the jobs related to that, but and, and here's it's here's a big the but. thing. Um, there's matching fund re- matching fund requirements. I mean, as uh, as Don Young, I think it was on the on the during the committee hearing last week, uh, where the the federal delegation Lisa and Sullivan and uh, and Don Young joined. I think Don Young said, now remember there's matching funds. And so, you know, I don't want to see the state, uh, you know, missing out on these opportunities by not uh, appropriating uh, uh, the matching funds. And lo and behold, those matching funds aren't in the budget yet. Um, in the 10-year plan <laughs> that, uh, that that Governor Dunleavy put out, they originally were going to put in, you can see it in the text of the 10-year plan, they were originally going to put in uh, $200 million a year um, as a placeholder, but there was a very inconvenient thing that happened when they did that. The, the budgets didn't balance anymore. <laughs> the, uh, even with the PFD cuts that he had in there going down to uh, POMV 50, 50, um, uh, as well as, uh, as, as well as the suppressed, uh, inflation factor that they had in there. Uh, when you put in the 200, 
the two hundred million dollars for uh, for the matching funds. The budgets didn't balance, so they so it's in the text that they that they were going to create this placeholder uh, for the two hundred million dollars, but it's not in the numbers. It, it doesn't follow through uh, uh, in the numbers, and it's not in the uh, it's not in the in the current uh, the FY twenty three uh, budget either. So um, we, we've got. I mean, all of this stuff is good. It's great to have this additional money, um, uh, and it's going to, you know, produce nice projects and jobs. But the state's going to have to come up with its matching amount. It hasn't yet, uh, and the question is going to be: Is that matching amount going to come out of other programs, or uh, in the absence of uh, of substitute revenues, is it going to come out of the PFD? Because <laughs> um, that's, I mean, that's that's the, that's the place it's got to come out of if we don't have. If we don't have substitute revenues um, and we don't take it out of other programs, so there, there's a big issue sitting out there on the state side, and and to be and 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 to sort of sort of put this in context, this is the sort of thing that happened with the 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 Medicaid program over the or the Medicare whatever whichever it is the the, the state the state uh, 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 programs that uh, have built up around Medicaid uh, over the years. I mean, each time. That that there was a new program, Ted Stevens came back, or a new add-on that the state that the federal government would match if the state added this program to its Medicaid programs. Um, each time, Ted Stevens came back and said, "Hey, there's this brand new program that we just passed in Congress. Um, we'll give you federal matching funds. All you have to do is come up with a you know 50 percent uh, state uh, state share, uh, and then we get all this additional money coming into the state." And and step by step by step over the decades, that's how we got a, a, a Medicaid program that is that is the you know has, has the most options. Alaska has the most options, Medicaid options, adopted the most Medicaid options of of any state. Right. Um, they're well, all you know. It, it brings federal funds in, but but we build up all these state programs. Well, uh, and the worst to, part the worst part of that kind of stuff, Brad, is when they say, "Oh, look." We've got this brand new federal program, and it's great and groovy. And all you got to do is you got to pony up not fifty percent. Sometimes it's only ten percent or twenty percent. And wouldn't it be great? And somebody says, "Well, yeah, but what about the funding?" And the, oh, don't worry about that. And then three or four or five years down the road, the federal funding starts ratcheting down and down and down. And now all of a sudden, Alaska's on the hook for not twenty percent of the program, but maybe eighty percent or a hundred percent of the program because there's been no f- there's no federal funds for it. And now they're like, well, you can't kill the program now because there are people who are dependent on that. You can't do yep, it. I exactly. mean that, that's exactly where we're at. Exactly right. At these transportation programs, I mean they're talking about mostly ten percent state match uh to the to the transportation uh, uh piece uh, at least. And um and so it's you know and, and so the the pitch is it's not that much, well you know the, at least the Dunleavy administration at one point thought it was two hundred million dollars a year, which is quite a bit. <laughs> um, and and so we're it, 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 we get all excited about these programs, and I'm not I'm not trying to knock the programs, and I'm not trying to knock what the federal delegation did, and I'm not trying to say you know uh, uh, these are these are are bad things, but but there's a there's another side of it. That, that we very seldom step up to and and recognize. And this is going to be in 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 the in the tight budgets that we've created uh, over the over the past decade, uh, well, longer than that. In the tight budgets that we've created, two hundred million dollars is a big deal. Um, and coming up with that two hundred million dollars, I mean, how are we going to do that? 
uh, is uh, is going to be a, a big deal and a big issue. And and so we need to recognize that these are not these are not costless uh, programs to uh, Alaska. There is a cost. And as I say, you know, in the absence of substitute revenues and then the absence of cutting it out of other programs and the Dunleavy administration hasn't proposed to do that, uh, it's going to come out of the PFD. So so basically, basically, we have middle and lower income Alaska families that are going to end up having to uh, having to pay for uh, for all of this uh, goodness uh, that's, uh, that's, uh, that's, that's going to descend on us. So all this free money, wait, wait, it's not free. And in fact, it's not only not free, it's hitting the lowest and middle income folks hardest in the state of Alaska, because that's the answer. I mean, that's really, and yet they get to pound their chests and brag about how all the money they brought. Look at us, look at what we did. Look at all the good stuff. Uh, I mean, there's groups out there that are touting Murkowski for look at all she did for, uh, you know, some independent expenditures that are like, look at all she did for bringing this infrastructure to Alaska. Meanwhile, uh, people are getting hit in the economy. And and it just, again, it just, it blows my mind that this is the thing that we continue to fall for uh, in this cycle of pain. <laughs> I mean, really, this is the thing we continue to, this is the cycle of pain we just can't get out of. It's sort of like the Charlie Brown. I mean, what you're 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 describing is sort of like the Charlie Brown episode where yeah. you know, Lucy's Lucy's holding the ball. And yeah, one more time. Charlie Come Ro- on, Charlie. One more time. I promise not to yank it out. Yeah, I mean, you know, that's uh, that's the way it is. Well, it should be it should be a wake up call. I mean, everything should be a wake up call given where we are, but it should be yet another wake up call. It should be, hey, we're getting all these federal funds, but it's going to cost us $200 million a year. Where's that going to come from? Oh my God, it's going to come from the PFD. Um, uh, shouldn't we be talking about longer term fixes to our budget so that every, you know, incremental dollar that, uh, that, uh, that comes out of, uh, uh, comes out of the budget isn't coming out of middle and lower income Alaska families. It should be a wake up call to fix our budget. It's not going to be. Uh, I mean, no, I don't think no. I, other than uh, Don Young, I don't recall anybody mentioning the state uh, matching funds uh, at uh, at Friday's uh, hearing slash love fest. Yeah, uh, but but you know, it's it. We need we need to temper our excitement about uh, all these federal funds coming in with a recognition that there is going to be a cost on the state side. Right. I mean, wait. There's no such thing as a free lunch. Uh, there's no such thing as free money. I mean. They, I mean, one way or the other, we're going to pay for this. And and again, matching funds and the fact that we're printing money to do this and borrowing and all this kind of stuff. I mean, you know, I, I do not look at this. I do not look at these dollars coming into the state with the uh, with the reverence that many people seem to. Oh, look at all the great stuff it's going to do for the state. All I can think of is that every time we spend that dollar, we're borrowing, you know, whatever it is, 60 percent of that dollar to do it. And uh, it just it blows my mind. So. All right. Well. Uh, we'll be asking some questions of politicians about how they are going to find that $200 million for the federal match. And, uh, you know, what are we going to do about that? So we'll we'll ask those questions of the politicians as we go through here. Uh, Brad, we're coming up uh, on the break, so let's go ahead and give us a tease for number two. The latest news around the Alaska LNG projects uh, around the state. So the, the, the uh, Alaska Gas Line Development Corporation – I think that's the current name of it. Um, last week uh, uh, announced uh, the results of a new uh, uh, Wood McKenzie study. Uh, Wood McKenzie is one of the best consultants out there. Uh, a new Wood, uh, Wood McKenzie study on uh, 
on the LNG project and uh, and and announced some uh, developments that they claim made the project they claim makes the project a lot more competitive. Uh, there's a couple of issues with that uh, and uh, a couple of big issues with that, uh, and we're going to discuss that in the second segment. Uh, isn't there always big issues? When we're talking about Alaska LNG and and all that, I mean, we've tried to develop that. I remember, I still, I think it was Jim Whitaker that had the picture from the news miner uh, framed on the back of his wall of his office. It said something about gas line next year, and it was the news miner from 1959 or something. It was just like you know, <laughs> we've been talking about this for I mean, God knows how long. But all right, well, we're going to get into that here in just a moment, uh, folks. Don't go anywhere, Brad Keithley is our guest. We'll return with him here in just a moment. Don't forget, you can always join us out in uh, the chat room, which is on our social media feeds, Facebook, YouTube, Twitch TV. Feel free to uh, come on board and join us. The Michael Duke Show continues your home for common sense, liberty-based, breathing and radio. Is that? Common sense. Regularly heard on American radio. Michael Duke Show. Okay, in the break with Brad Keithley, uh, now Alaskans for sustainable budgets, uh, and uh, we're gonna we're gonna talk about uh, well, we're gonna talk about some other stuff real quick, shall we? I mean, I think we should get this done. Uh, Brad, actually, uh, why don't I? <clears throat> Brad, why don't you tell us uh, a little bit about, uh, I know you want to mention your music. Uh, You had some music stuff you wanted to talk about. Um, I am going to, uh, I'm going to turn the hosting duties over to you for a minute. Uh, While I uh, return, I have to go answer somebody's call. I'll be right back. But you can tell everybody about what's going on in Fairbanks uh, with this, uh, with your, your band, your, your, one of your favorite musical acts is coming up and you're going to be giving it all to everybody. So I'll be back in a minute. You can tell everybody all about that. See, look, okay. it's a twofer. It's a twofer. All right, go ahead, Thank you, Michael. So one of one of the one of the things I do with the rest of my life when I'm not doing this stuff is I spend a lot of time uh, uh, following music, uh, particularly Celtic music and particularly uh, Scottish and uh, and Irish uh, music. One of the hottest tickets, one of the best bands, Scottish uh, trad bands, traditional bands. Um, uh, that I follow, that I've followed for years, that I, you know, spent time going over to festivals in Scotland to uh, to see, flying over to Scotland to see, uh, is coming is starting their U.S. tour uh, this week, um, and uh, and they're starting it in Alaska, uh, which just excites the heck out of me. Um, they're going to play Valdez on uh, on Wednesday night, uh, February 9th. Uh, they're going to play. Anchorage on uh, Friday night, February 11th, at the at the at the Performing Arts Center, uh, sponsored, presented by the uh, Anchorage Concert Association, and they're going to play uh, Fairbanks on uh, February 11th, Saturday night um, at uh, no 12th, yeah 12th uh, Saturday night, whatever the heck the, heck the date is, um, at uh, Fairbanks Concert Association, presented by the Fairbanks Concert Association, is going to be at the Civic Auditorium, I think they call it, out in Pioneer Park, old Alaska land, the round building. Um, but this is this is an outstanding band. And as I say, I've, I've traveled over to Scotland several times, always adjusting my schedule to be able to see uh, this band and others. They're coming off 
uh, an outstanding performance at a festival in Glasgow called Celtic Connections that has been this past couple of weeks. They had a sold out uh, 1300 seat uh, show, not that anybody sat in seats, they were standing throughout the show um, and uh, just had a, a wonderful, uh, wonderful performance. So uh, for those of you who uh, have any interest, any interest whatsoever in, uh, in Scottish uh, traditional music, and we're not talking about, we're not talking about pipes and kilts here. We're talking about uh, some really, uh, uh, some, uh, some really energetic, vibrant music. Uh, if you want to see a snippet of it, go on Facebook uh, look for the group uh, Talisk, T-A-L-I-S-K, uh, and uh, and just uh, 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 take a look at uh, some of the some of the performances uh, that they've got on there, some of the videos that they've got on there. It's just a it's a very energetic uh, group. Three of them, uh, a concertina player, but just you know the most rapid concertina player in the world. Uh, fiddle player, uh, who's every bit the equal of the concertina player, and uh, and a guitar player. Uh, just a just a, a, a an exciting and uh, and uh, energetic and uh, and and wonderful group. I'm I'm really excited that they're coming to Alaska. It's a big, um, actually a big coup for Alaska. This is a as I say, it's the hottest ticket in uh, Scottish trad music now. Uh, their um, their U.S. tour is going to go from coast to coast literally coast to coast, adding Alaska, uh, but going to go from coast to coast, hit uh, some big cities, but they're starting it, uh, starting it in Anchorage during, during the week, they're also going to be releasing their new album uh, and, uh, and actually will be touring the album. So uh, uh, that's the, uh, uh, th that's the, the genesis of having the tour, but uh, it'll, it'll be a lot of fun. Well, I can't uh, wait. Uh, I love, I love me some, uh, some kind of that Scottish feel, and uh, I think folks out there hopefully will be excited to go take a look at it. Uh, and when is the Fairbanks State this weekend, right? So it's Saturday. Uh, so Valdez, for those of you in Valdez, listening from Valdez, uh, you have them uh, on Wednesday night. Uh, Anchorage has them on Friday night. And uh, Fairbanks has them on Saturday night. And you can get tickets through the Valdez Art Council for Wednesday night, the Anchorage Concert Association for Friday night. Uh, and the uh, Fairbanks Concert Association for Saturday night. And if I know you, you're going to watch them on Friday, and then go to Fairbanks and watch them on Saturday, <laughs> right? Maybe. Yeah, I almost, I almost signed up for Valdez too, but it's just, it's so hard to get over there and get back. Uh, so I'm going to leave that, going to leave that to the band. I'm going to, they're, they're coming in tonight. Uh, they, they come into Anchorage tonight and stay overnight, and then go over to Valdez tomorrow. And I'm going to meet them at the plane tonight to say hello. Oh, but, good, uh, good. Well. But, uh, but, this will be this will be fun stuff. So, folks want to find out more Talisk and again uh, Wednesday in Valdez, Friday in Anchorage, Saturday in uh, Fairbanks. All right, Brad. Well, thanks for co-hosting there for a minute. Sometimes you know you can't. I just couldn't get away from it. That's how it works sometimes. All right, here we go. Jumping back into it, the Michael Duke Show, common sense, liberty based, free thinking radio. Share the show, like this video. All right, uh, Brad Keithley, our guest, Alaskans for Sustainable Budgets. We're continuing now uh, talking with him, the weekly top three. We just finished up 
talking about all those federal matching funds, and uh, we were teased about uh, the Alaska LNG project by Brad. And so now he's going to uh, dive back into it and give us the real deal on what's happening with AKLNG. Brad, uh, what's what's the scoop here? So the new analysis, the new analysis that the project has done is is looking at a different uh, commercial structure for the project than than they have before. Uh, previously, the project was anticipated to be upstream owned. That is, the producers would own the project, uh, produce the, the 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 gas be transported down the line that was in part producer owned in part state owned that was the that was the walker vision uh taken down to uh kenai where an LNG liquefaction plant would liquefy the the gas and the, and ship it out to the to the far east um they they've they've played with that project design and now they've stepped away from the producer or the upstream owned uh, concept and and basically they're turning it into a utility uh, that would be just uh, involved only in uh, cleaning up the gas on the north slope, uh, transporting it, pipelining it down to Kenai, and then having the liquefaction liquefaction plant at Kenai. Physically, the same facilities, but commercially, those those facilities would be owned by a separate company, a project company. Um, that would uh, make its money through a tolling arrangement or a transportation arrangement or a fee arrangement with either the producers on the one end, if they wanted to own the product all the way, uh, if they wanted to own the product to, to sell to the uh, to sell the consumers, or potentially consumers who would buy the the, the LNG consumers who would buy the product up on the slope um, and uh, and then arrange a contract with the. Uh, with the uh, owner of the of the facilities to uh, transport it and liquefy it uh, at uh, at Kenai uh, and, and put it on ships down there. That new commercial structure they think lowers the cost because they can do what they call project finance uh, that cost that would be based upon the, the toll arrangements as opposed to as opposed to based upon uh, uh, some other arrangement uh, the producers putting money into it. Um, and would lower the cost as a result of being project financed. They've also, uh, uh, as part of the uh, Infrastructure Act, as part of the part of the bill that just passed Congress, Congress changed the the law so that the federal uh, loan guarantees uh, uh, that previously applied only to a pipeline that 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 went to the lower 48 now can apply to this LNG project as well, um, and that would help. The, the federal loan guarantees would help lower the cost. The net result of of, of, ver of those various steps uh, is to reduce the cost of the projected cost of the of the project below the projected cost of new projects uh, uh, in the U.S. Gulf Coast. Uh, a combination of lowering the cost in that fashion and uh, the transportation advantage that Alaska has uh, over uh, over uh, U.S. Gulf Coast projects, we don't have to go through the Panama Canal, for example, which has a right. fairly substantial fee structure, uh, and make the project uh, more competitive uh, in that fashion. But there's two things uh, about the about the, the revised uh, uh, project or about the new commercial arrangements that are that are important um, and significant and 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 to some degree troublesome. One is uh, that as part of lowering the cost of the project to make it competitive. They assume that the gas price uh, uh, for the for the for the gas that would go into the project uh, is lowered from two dollars, which is what they used to assume, down to one dollar. 
So there would only be a $1 net back on gas uh, back to the producers. That means the states take uh, in terms of royalty uh, and, uh, and production tax would be lowered substantially uh, from what it was assumed uh, in, in the previous cases. So frankly, a significant part of the increased competitiveness of the project that they're touting is coming at the expense of both the producers on the on the slope uh, and at the expense of the state in terms of a in terms of a, a of a lower take. It's not clear that uh, the producers are willing to sell the gas uh, for a dollar. I mean, they've got the producers have uh, obviously there's a lot of gas behind pipe uh, uh, that can be produced from existing facilities both in Prudhoe and in Point Thompson, but but not nearly all of the gas you would need for the life of the project can be is is sitting behind pipe right now. So you're going to have to go out and develop additional gas supplies. Right. And the question the question is whether producers are going to be willing to do that for a dollar. So that's that's one that's one significant factor. The second is they've assumed a lower cost uh, in part as a result of dropping the property taxes that would be assessed by the localities and the state uh, down to a, to a much lower level, a level that they say is competitive with what's going on in Texas and Louisiana, where a lot of new projects are being built right now, but significantly lower than what I think we've assumed before uh, in the Alaska project. So we're making it more competitive, but that's in part at the expense of uh, of the state in terms of revenues and in part in terms of local governments. Isn't it almost better to say we are theoretically making it more affordable? I mean, again, this assumption that we're going to cut the net back cost in half and again, potentially drop it. I mean, there would have to be some agreements with these boroughs uh, and and the municipalities on the on the taxation and state on the taxation issues that would have maybe a 20 year lifespan or something like that, you know, like, a you know, first in or for you get a you get a tax exemption for X number of years for building it, but eventually that's going to go away. So it's got to pencil out early on, and you got to get a lot of people to say yes, Brad. And we've seen, like I said earlier, it was always interesting to see that full page ad in the Daily News Miner from 1959 that says we'll have gas next year, um, and and here we are, 60 years later, 70 years later, without the gas. I mean, there's a lot of ifs in there. Yeah, they're 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 in a marketing mode. I mean, they're trying to sell this project now that the state has gotten it sort of packaged up in a way. They're trying to sell this project, and frankly, part of what's going on here is, what have I got to do? <laughs> where where can I bleed costs out in right. order to make this thing in order to make this thing look competitive? And and that's and that's what they're doing with by assuming the uh, the lower uh, the lower net back to the producers and uh, by assuming. Uh, Assuming a lower a lower property tax as well, it, it it may I mean it if you make those assumptions and you and you change the commercial design in a way to lower the cost of the of the, the financing cost of the project, which is what going to a project finance project does. If you make those assumptions, it does pencil out to be lower than the than the, than Gulf Coast projects, not by a huge amount, but by enough to make a make a difference. So they may be able to entice somebody in here and and. Uh, and 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 pick up the project at this point, but uh, but that's what's going on. They're trying to make it look competitive, uh, and uh, and in doing well, so, uh, making making some assumptions. Seventeen trillion cubic feet of uh, gas on the North Slope that we could do something with um, eventually. Again, if they're willing to part with it, and they're willing to part with it for the dollar amounts that you've speculated about, um, should be interesting. Well, we'll keep an eye on that. Maybe we won't have to wait another seventy years before we see that headline again. <laughs> Um, all right. Well, let's talk about uh, number three today. And this is one that I've got a little bit of a heartburn about. 
And this is this discussion about whether or not we should we should reestablish defined benefit programs or a limited defined benefit programs. I mean, defined benefit programs is what got our pension system in such an uproar and had us upside down so badly. We're slowly whittled away at that billions and billions of dollars uh, to where we're now it seems to be more manageable. And, of course, every year somebody else brings up the fact that we should go back to defined benefit. The problem, that I mean, it's what's what created the problem in the first place. Now there's a case for reestablishing it in a limited way, uh, I guess, for mostly for first responders and public safety. Let's talk about this. So there's a bill in the legislature that seems to be getting some traction uh, that would reestablish defined benefit plans for public safety officers. And the argument is that uh, Alaska is not competitive, <clears throat> uh, not competitive to retain public safety officers. We, we police and, and fire, we get them. Uh, we get them in, um, we get them employed, uh, they start working for us, they start getting trained, they start getting some experience, uh, and then they're attracted to go elsewhere to uh, to other states or other localities because we don't have a competitive package, uh, compensation package is the argument, uh, to retain them here. And, and the key part, according to the argument, the key part that we don't have is a defined benefit program, that, uh, uh, that it's a... Uh, uh, that, that other localities are offering those we aren't. Uh, and so getting the people are getting their training here, they're, they're getting some work experience here and then they're parlaying that into employment elsewhere and, uh, and leaving Alaska and leaving us with, as a result, uh, a, a lower trained workforce than we otherwise would have a more costly workforce because turnover is costly. You have to go out and, and, you know, constantly bring in new people. Um, and so that's that's the argument, and the bill's making some uh, headway as a result of that. It, it's it's sort of the crack in the door, though. I mean, you can see the teachers sitting there waiting for because teachers don't have a defined benefit right. either, um, and and in fact, teachers a lot of teachers in the state don't have social security either. So you can see the teachers sitting there going, "Okay, well, let's get this done for for first responders. Let's sort of make them the wedge." that gets the door open. And then we're going to start bringing the teachers in because the same argument, the teachers are making the same argument that, that we're having a lot of turnover in the state because, you know, we start, we train teachers, we, we, we give them experience and then they, then they move outside for, for better compensation packages because we don't have defined benefits here. It's a debate. It's a debate we need to have, but the other part of the debate needs to be show me that we don't get ourselves right back into the situation that we've got now uh, that we still have, which is, you know, this huge uh, 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 hole in our in our in our in our benefit in our in our retirement plans that we're having to fill every year by making annual contributions out of the state budget. Right. Of, of not of not insignificant amounts. Even now, we're in the two hundred million dollar range. So, you, you show us the cost benefit that that we're not getting our, that that you know all of the costs that you say are coming as a result of having to train new people and the turnover and the costs associated with turnover, show us that that's more costly than the cost of having the defined benefit plan. And then show us how we're going to make sure that this defined benefit plan doesn't create a hole uh, going forward. So we're not just saddling future generations with the same problem uh, we've had. I've not seen that case made yet. No, uh, and I a, I think they'll have a hard time making that case, quite honestly, because we've seen it. We've see, seen defined benefit programs across the country basically be subsumed. I mean, Delta and GM both turned their defined benefits programs over to federal management to then be able to change through a defined contribution. 
We've seen defined benefits programs basically eat whole budgets. And we just know that it is a, it is a hazardous road to walk, you know? Well, it's, it's eating our budget. I mean, up until 2013, we were projecting a billion dollars a year. There was a projection of a billion dollars a year that we were going to have to additional, right, right. that we were going to have to set aside to cover the whole. We, we handled that by making a lump sum $3 billion contribution uh, in 2013 or 2014, whichever it was, uh, over to the benefit and sort of stemmed the tide. Uh, and we've had good stock markets since then. So it's sort of gone down a little bit more, but um, you know, we, 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 need, we need to have a handle that we're not going right in, back into this situation uh, going forward before, uh, before we go down this road again. Uh, Brad Keithley, Alaskans for Sustainable Budgets. Thank you, my friend. Uh, and don't forget to catch B uh, Brad's favorite Scottish band this weekend, Talisker, Friday in Anchorage, Saturday in Fairbanks. Uh, Brad, thanks for coming on board and joining us. Michael, as always, thanks for having me. You can find them at the Concert Association if you want to get more info. Hour two, dead ahead. This is always, you know, of course, they've been wanting to change back on this, Brad, on this benefits program for years. I mean, ever since it was changed to defined contribution, people immediately started squawking about. I mean, even though there was a $12 billion elephant in the room, they were like, oh, don't worry, it'll be fine. We need to take care of these employees no matter what. And that's the only way we'll get a good employees if we keep the defined benefit. Again, if you look at the history of defined benefits across the country, you could see that defined benefits. Uh, like I said, they they ate whole economies. They ate whole budgets. Uh, you know, all the all the big majors who had had them, including GM and Delta, the two biggest ones that I think about, they had to turn theirs over to the federal government because it was going to eat them, and they had to get they had to have wholesale changes to it. This is just not something that we should lightly embrace at this point. Exactly right, Michael. And and, and the reason that we haven't had as much publicity about them in recent years as we did back in the in the 20 teens uh, is because the stock market has done so well. So all of these pension funds, all of the state pension funds that have been set aside have, have done well. Ours has done well uh, uh, during, uh, during the build-up to the stock market. If the stock market goes back, if, if the investment community investment returns uh, sort, of level, sort of levelize again or go back down again, uh, we're going to be talking about, we're going to be talking about these pension funds again. Because basically, it's a bet. The defined benefit programs are a bet. Can can you get the returns necessary in in your investment portfolio to stay even with, if not a little bit ahead of the obligation you have you've created through uh, through these defined benefits? Right. And and so and so it's a bet that's good and and you know and 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 works when the stock when in the investment portfolio is up. It's a bet that doesn't work so well when the investment portfolio is down, um, and um, and so the question is whether the state wants to take on this risk, and and other states have, and you know not every but not every defined benefit program has gone down the tubes, um, and and other states have, and and there's a competitiveness issue about it, but but to, before we go down this road again, show us that that you've got you've got us you've got a plan to keep us between the ditches where we don't run off the road again. And run into in this huge hole again. And I don't, you know, there's been a lot about, oh, we need this to be competitive. We've got too much turnover. We've got, you know, we're losing police, we're losing fire, we're training, we're going through the expense of training them up here, and then they and then they go elsewhere. We got a lot of a lot of churning about that issue. We don't have the same amount of of activity and focus on uh, 
on the cost side. And, right. Um, and, and, we, and we need that before we go down this road again. Well, and of course, with Alaska's defined benefits, particularly, it was the, it was the health care that was the driver on a lot of that stuff. And we have no idea where it's going. I mean, it could be going up. It could be stabilizing. But I mean, it's probably a good bet if you want to bet on, the, on history. It's a good bet that it's going to go up higher than anybody expects just because as things advance, it gets more expensive. That's that's just how it works. And so to just opened up, uh, open ourselves up to that and assume everything's going to be okay, not a, not a, not a good bet in my opinion. Yeah. It's, it's an assumption of risk, right? I mean, who's going to take the risk of the future? Is it going to be the employer, the government, uh, or is it going to be uh, the individual uh, who, you know, under a defined contribution plan can make, can make uh, contributions for themselves and, you know, and, and run their own uh, investment portfolio. Um, and, and a lot of other places do make it the government's risk. The government is the one that assumes the risk. They make it part of the, are part of the compensation package. But, uh, you know, we, once bitten, we ought to be twice shy about, uh, <laughs> well, not to mention about, the fact that we've already got yeah. it out there, right? We've already got, we're already have our current, you know, snowball of money out there that we're trying to constantly keep up on. And now you want to, if we had no pension debt, it would be one thing, but to now say, well, we need to start this up, even though we're still paying off a couple $3 billion of pension debt that's still out there or unfunded liability that's still out there. I mean, we have to be extra cautious at that point. Oh, we do. I mean, cause, cause, cause we're knowledgeable. I mean, we're, we're on notice. This thing can go bad. Um, and it's not like we have a lot of, a lot of give in our budget, right. To, to be wrong about this. So yes, there are, there are no doubt additional costs as a result of employee churning. There's no, no doubt there are additional costs, but there are huge potential additional costs coming from going to defined benefit to avoid uh, what might be in comparison to relatively minor costs from, uh, from the churning. Yeah. Um, and so, and, and we, we just need to make that calculation. And as I say, I've looked for it and I've not been sold uh, that, uh, that we're, that we're doing, uh, that we're doing the calculation right yet. Well, until they can show you that on paper and show you how it, uh, how it should work and hold us harmless, then uh, I guess we should be ignoring that for sure. Um, all right. Well, Brad, uh, thank you so much for coming on board and uh, enjoy your weekend of Scottish music. And uh, um, I hope you, I hope, you know, we got to, we all got to have something we love and I'm glad, uh, I'm glad you're living your joy on that. Well, it's a, it's a tremendous opportunity for anybody who, uh, who uh, even remotely enjoys that opportunity. We're, we're getting the best of the best in terms of new Scottish trad. Uh, over here. And as I say, this is not your pipes and kilts thing. This is, this is energetic, uh, uh, exciting, uh, entertainment. Go to, go to Facebook, go to the page for Talisk, T-A-L-I-S-K, look at the videos. Uh, we're getting something that just sold out in Scotland. We're getting it over here, uh, fresh and it's just a great opportunity. Yeah. So no. If you, if you, remotely like the music come out and uh, come out and watch them. Yeah. I've sent it to my Spotify several times after you recommended it. And it definitely is good. I mean, I get a lot of work done when I'm listening to Talos there. Uh, they get me going. So that's good stuff. Yep. All right. Well, Brad Keithley, Alaskans for sustainable budgets, my friend, thank you so much for coming on board. As always, it's great to hear from you, Michael, uh, as always, thanks for having me. All right, folks. Uh, we're going to continue here, uh, with, uh, more. We got, uh, Chris Story coming up here in just a moment. We're going to be talking. Uh, we're going to be talking with him here and uh, getting his take in just a bit for his uh, weekly top three. That's all uh, coming up here in just a few moments. Up next, we're going to take some phone calls from you and see what you have to say about any of the things that we've been chatting about this morning. 
I see there's been a lot of talk in on YouTube this morning from Ken and uh, Jimmy and a couple others talking about this idea of trucking ore from uh, Toke, apparently. Is this from Pogo? Is this where it's coming from? They're supposed to truck ore from Pogo up to up to Fort Knox and what it would take and how many rigs and how heavy on the road and everything else. I heard something about this a few weeks ago, um, and there was an estimation that basically it would be uh, a continuous stream of trucks, essentially, uh, like you know, two miles between each truck, a continuous stream of trucks. Going from Pogo to uh, to Fort Knox and back. Um, if you want to call in and sound off about that, guys, you can. Uh, I don't know any more about it than what you've just said or what I've just mentioned here, but I hear that it is a proposal. Uh, what's the community saying on that? I'd love to hear what you guys have to say on that as well. Uh, oh, it's a new mine in Toke. Okay, well, uh, I'd like to hear more about it if you want to sound off. The Michael Duke Show, Common Sense, Liberty-based, free-thinking radio. The, the Michael Dukes Show. The greed and the entitlement is astounding to me. What more could you want from a low-budget radio program? This is a dumpster fire. That was just BS. It is time to get a new perspective. We know just what you need, and we've got just the cure. Open wide and prepare for a steaming hot cup of freedom. I just don't fathom it. The Michael Dukes Show, streaming live across the world. Welcome back to the Michael Dukes Show, hour two of the big radio broadcast. I think we got a little sync issue there. Uh, I ran over the time. Hi, how are you? Good morning and welcome to hour two. I mean, you know, it just... It's just a good old-fashioned low-budget radio show. What are you going to do? What 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 are you going to do? Uh, all right, hour two of the big radio program. Uh, thanks for coming in and joining us. Uh, we have got uh, Chris Story joining us at the bottom of the hour. Well, in the second second hour break, we're gonna we're gonna talk with him. Uh, we will talk with Chris Story and uh, get a feel. What what are we going to talk about? He he sent me the text message, and uh, I want to make sure that I don't. Uh, misquote him he gets so grumpy when i misquote him are you running a protection racket that's going to be his topic for today and we're about uh, 10 12 uh, minutes away from uh, joining chris with that to get our weekly pma session out of the way uh, we're also going to be doing a new segment with chris called the um well what are we going to call it we're going to call it the backyard millionaire because well, he wrote a book of the same name, and why not? I mean, hey, I'm a, I'm a capitalist. I'm here to help him out. Uh, we're going to do that the first uh, Tuesday of every month where we dedicate a segment. Uh, we'll still be positive about it, but he's going to talk. Last week, we talked a little bit about some real estate investment, and I thought we had some really good questions, um, uh, some really good questions and some really good discussions about it. Uh, if you missed it, you can go back and listen on the podcast, but it was uh, it was a lot of fun. It was interesting. And uh, I got to keep Chris interested because otherwise he gets bored and wanders off in the pucker brush. So we're going to we're going to try and keep him excited about that with the first Tuesday of every month. It will be the new Backyard Millionaire segment. And so we'll be talking with Chris about that. Um, All right. So in this segment, phone lines are open at 433-3150. The Pivotel call in lines powered by our friends at Pivotel and Satellite West. We'll take some calls from you to see what are some of the topics that you want to chat about, whether it's something we just picked into with Brad or 
something else that we hit on earlier. I would love to see what you have to say. And so feel free to give us a call. You can also drop us an email. The email address is me at MichaelDukeShow.com. M-E at MichaelDukesShow.com. We'd love to hear what you guys uh, have to say uh, on that, um, and we'll uh, we'll get to, we'll get a feel for it. Let's go over here to the phones right now and see what's on your mind. Good morning. Who's this? Where are you calling from? Uh, this is Ken from North Pole. Good morning, Ken. What's on your mind this morning? I was calling in about the uh, the new plan from Ken Ross to uh, haul ore from Toke all the way back up to Fort Knox. Yeah, okay. So, I mean, I'd heard something about this the other day. I mean, the other day being, you know, three or four months ago, where they were talking about uh, because they were building a new mine facility, but they didn't have what the crusher, the extractor, or whatever that they needed to do. And they decided that they wanted to truck it uh, in heavy dump trucks all the way from Toke up to Fort Knox. But somebody said or speculated that what they would need to do that to keep up with the demand is like, there would be a truck on the road every mile or something, basically continuously going from uh, from Toke to Fort Knox and back. Is it is this the same project that we're talking about? Uh, it's the same project, but so what they've decided is they're going to use uh, semis with uh, double trailers. I think they're custom-built double trailers, and they're talking about four trucks an hour uh, traveling back and forth between the new mine and Toke and up at Fort Knox, it's because uh, to avoid a lot of the environmental restrictions and all of that, they're not going to build a processing mill in Tote. Um, so it's only economical if they move the ore up to Fort Knox to, to mill it. So uh, this leads me to a couple of questions, and maybe uh, there are questions that you can answer or questions that you've asked yourself. I mean, first of all, uh, the environmental impact of a mill in Toke, okay, great, I can see I'm not doing that, but <clears throat> what about the impact on the highways of fully loaded double trailer rigs every 15 minutes, four times an hour, running nonstop, I'm assuming 24 hours a day, back and forth to uh, to the mines? That's got to be some heavy-duty stuff going on. It's got to be some heavy-duty wear and tear. Absolutely. They did uh, a couple of meetings up here in Fairbanks uh, along with the Department of Transportation to state, um, I believe they're going to be giving some money to the Department of Transportation. The DOT is already talking about putting in 16 new sets of passing lanes in the highway between uh, Fort Knox and Toke to help relieve some of the stress on the roads and some of the pressure from traffic and all that. Um, but it, it looks like Ken Ross is going to be at least kicking in some of the money to help with the added wear and tear. So what's the, I mean, I'm assuming you're calling, Ken, as a concerned citizen, uh, having to see this and deal with this. What I mean, what are your thoughts overall on this? Well, uh, I look at it as, you know, um, we can't really restrict the the highway. Everyone's allowed to use it. It's for everyone, even businesses, to use. Um, I think that it's going to bring in a whole lot of jobs to our community. I mean, all of those uh, trucking jobs, the added construction jobs, not to mention the mine down in Toke. So I think it'll be a net good for our community, but I do think it's going to, we're going to have to, you know, it's going to add a lot of traffic, especially, you know, in the summer when you've got hunters and campers and everybody else on the roads anyway, I think that right. you're, you're going to see some, some traffic backups. Well, I, 
All I could think of is, now, now would be the time to invest some money in creating a trucking company, you know, that will contract with this. I mean, if you had just figured out there's 24 hours a day, if you if you started a trucking company with four trucks and bid on the job, you'd at least be busy. Uh, you'd at least be busy with that for the rest of uh, the rest of your life at this point, if that's what they're going to do. This, um, I mean, this is interesting. I mean, people in the chat room are saying we should do a rail chart, do a rail yard, and everything. But I mean, at two million bucks a mile. Uh, for for all the way from Toke to uh, to, uh, to 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 Fort Knox, even if you just tr- even if you just brought it up um, um, uh, on the regular rail lines to have to complete all that stuff, oof, man, it's a, it's a big deal. What's the community? I mean, have you have you talked to your neighbors? What I mean, are, is this something that they're excited about? Is it more opportunity, or is it uh, are we more worried about the congestion? Well, I think that a lot of people are excited about the added businesses is going to bring to the community, you know, the added jobs um, and all the money it's going to infuse into the community. I think that's, that's heavily needed, but yeah, there's definitely some people that are, are concerned about it wearing on the roads. They're, they're concerned about the, the safety of all those added trucks on the roads around everybody else. Um, and so I, but I, I think overall people look at this and, and it's, you know, it's, Fairbanks, you know, we need we need the jobs, we need the money. Yeah, no, interesting to uh, interesting to see where this goes. Like I said, I had heard about it earlier, but I guess there had been a lot of um, get a lot of questions uh, on that. So, uh, what are they gonna? Are they still? Have they decided, or are they still making the decision? Or what's the latest, Ken, that you've heard? So the latest that I've heard is, I mean, it's it's the plan that's going forward. Um, like I said, they've had meetings in the community with the DOT to to let the community know about their plans. I know that um, they're, they're still in the permitting process for the mine, but they don't need a permitting process for the trucking plan. Um, but it's my understanding that, that this plan is a go in like 2024 or 2025, they want to start having uh, trucks on the road. Well, <clears throat> like I said, maybe somebody can uh, work their capitalistic magic and take advantage of that. Uh, meanwhile, uh, maybe there should be some more discussions about extending the railroad uh, all the way out to Toke. Uh, but again, at a couple million bucks a mile, that's not a cheap endeavor either. So, uh, all right, Ken. Well, thank you for bringing it up to our attention and, and giving us what information you have. We'll see if we can find uh, – maybe we should reach out to Ken Ross to see if we can find somebody there that can talk to us about it. It would be an interesting discussion. Thank you for uh, coming on the coming on board with us. No problem at all. Appreciate you calling in. Uh, all right, let's go over one more call here, 433-3150. Good morning. Who's this? This is Mark from Toke. Hello, Mark from Toke. What's on your mind, sir? I'm, I'm assuming you want to talk about what we were just chatting about. Yes, sir. I'm sorry, Mark, you're breaking up. You want to try one more time? Not many trucks. There you go. Hello? Go ahead, Mark. You broke can you up. Can hear from- me now? I can hear you now. Go ahead, Mark. Yeah, I, I drive from Toke to Delta every day for my job. Uh, even without that truck traffic, it can be quite a challenge, especially in the winter. Uh, we have trucks on the road already, and uh, when it's wintertime, you can't see to pass them. Uh, it's going to make my job, as well as there's quite a few of us that, that uh, commute, it's going to be almost impossible to get out from behind these trucks. Well, I'd love to hear. Um, yeah, I mean, I'd love to hear another alternative to that. Uh, what about the economic development and the and the jobs potential in your area for the mine and all that? 
Well, most of us were for the mine. Uh, I've worked in mines and actually was was all for it. Thought it might put some local people to work. Uh, this uh, this pulling out, saying that they uh, they don't want to do the cyanide process there on site because of the permitting. That was kind of a trick. We felt we felt that they kind of got us supporting it and then pulled out. Uh, this was a surprise that they weren't going to build the the processing plant there. So I feel a little cheated, uh, but uh, just listening to your last caller, Fairbanks is all for it. They want the money, but it's going to it's going to wreak havoc on these small communities of Toke and Delta. You know, we we drive this highway to get to Fairbanks to do our shopping and to be stuck behind that many trucks. It's almost ridiculous that they're planning that much traffic. Well, uh, it- I've talked to my local DOT crew, and they haven't talk to them at all maybe they're talking to the big wigs but uh, the local guys don't know much about it yeah i mean even putting 17 new passing lanes or pullout lanes or everything else i mean that's going to take i mean we know that that's a five-year process no matter what and if they want to start in 2024 that's not a lot of time to get those things rolling so it'll be interesting to see uh it'll be interesting to see where it goes Thank you for your perspective on this, my friend. I appreciate you listening down there in Toke, and uh, we appreciate you being part of the show today. One final call here before we go to break. Uh, we got one more call on the line. Good morning. Who's this? Where are you calling from? Hey, good morning, Mike. This is Herman Morgan calling from Antioch. Uh, you know, uh, maybe uh, uh, you should uh, pick a topic next time. It's good to talk about these things, but um, uh, on national news, uh, there's a um, concern that uh, insurance companies are seeing 40% increase in death, 10% would be alarming, but, and they're wondering if these mass inoculations have something to do with it, and they're saying politicians and these um, medical professionals, they know abortion for two weeks, but they're not saying anything about it. And our politicians are so busy with money and GDP, and some of them don't know what to do about it. But um, there's something pretty bad happening. Uh, been saying that for a couple of years now. We're like we're seeing villages, but uh, check out uh, Tucker Carlson, Fox News. He's saying there's a mass casualty event happening. Okay. And. Uh, Funny, nobody's saying anything about it. All right. They're too busy talking about GDP and everything, sir. You know, I was, maybe next topic you could bring it up. Uh. Yeah, next time we have an open line, maybe we'll discuss that, Herman. Thank you for calling in and joining us. I appreciate it. Uh, folks, that uh, leads us up to the break. We've got Chris Story. He's going to be coming up with us here in just a moment. Don't go anywhere. The Michael Duke Show continues. Your uplift up next. With the uh, with the topic with the topic of are you running a protection racket? That's up next with Chris Story, the Michael Duke Show, common sense, liberty based, free thinking radio. It's the Michael Duke's show. Why not take a quick break? Be right back. Streaming live every weekday morning on Facebook Live and MichaelDukesShow.com. Okay, we're in the break right now. We got one more line on hold. Uh, I know Chris is going to be calling in in a minute, but let's take this caller real quick to see what they have to say. Good morning. Who's this? Where are you calling from? Good morning, North Pole, Alaska, brother Joe. 
Hello, Brother Joe. What's on your mind, sir? Man, I just said about all the time we ride our Harleys and everything in the summertime back and forth between Tokes and all that. We run in a fuel truck all the time, you know. And I right. and you know get around them and everything, but I think uh, the good outweighs the bad. I mean, everywhere we go, even when we live in North Pole, driving into Fairbanks, you know, you get a pass of petroleum trucks, the double trailers. I mean, adding one more every 15 minutes, considering you know the United town, it takes 20 minutes to pass one truck. Yeah, no, I I think as long as they keep up safety for everybody, and best, you know, uh, I think it's going to be okay. And that has to wear a it's going to happen all the time. I wonder how much women are grinding. I mean, this last week, my Subaru, I'm in brand new tires. I got a blader tooth in my tire, ruined my brand new tire, and that's from them scraping roads up that ice rack. <laughs> so, I mean, that has more wear and tear than the truck. Right, right. Well, I mean, I think there's an opportunity here, Joe. I mean, obviously, there's a good opportunity for people who are, you know, business-minded and things like that, and it'll be a boon for the community. Uh, and I think people are uh, wary of change, and especially people in their own backyards. I mean, Mark from Toke, he may have, uh, you know, he may have a uh, – uh, since he drives it daily, uh, you know, from Toke to Delta, he may have uh, some some insight into that. But um, I think we need to find out more about it. I think we need to find out more about it and see what the deal is. But as you said – I think it could be a good thing, uh, but we should, you know, get all the right. information that we have on it. So, hundred percent for sure on that. Uh, thank you, Joe. It's good to hear from you. Thanks. Uh, you're breaking up. I'm sorry, Joe. What was that again? Now we we just lost you, Joe. Thank you so much for calling in. It's good to good to hear from you. Thank you for uh, thanks for calling in. Good to hear from you, my friend. Tell uh, Kellen I said hi. All right, my friends, uh, we are in the break right now. My buddy uh, my buddy John from the Alaska study industry says that they demand four studies, four years of studies pertaining to the trucking issue on the old rich. No studies, no trucking, period. That's the Alaska study industry. Uh, they want studies that study the study that they previously had the study from. That's what they're looking for right now. <laughs> All right, uh, phone's ringing. Chris Story uh, joining us this morning, getting ready to, uh, I don't know, he gave me the finger earlier. Oh, no, that's a thumb. That's a thumb. It's not a it's finger. A I, it's a thumb. I see. I see. It's it's good. Um, I just don't know. I just don't know what to say. Are you, uh, are you all ready this morning, my friend? I am ready. You're already in Anchorage. You've accomplished more than most of us already. I mean, you know, that's how it works sometimes. You got to do what you got to do. Um, at least, uh, at least, uh, you know, my car didn't break down at four o'clock in the morning somewhere on the highway. So I'm feeling pretty good about today already. So it's, uh, it's a good thing. Hey, gratitude. <laughs> I was just reading about gratitude. I was reading a study on, uh, the gratitude, uh, done a few years ago. So there you are. You just, you just won the day already, Mike. Well, I'm good grateful. Job. I'm grateful for that study on gratitude. What, uh, you know, uh, Hey, uh, I want to quickly, before we got 90 seconds here, uh, you pitched it last week. It works or no week before it works. Do you say that was RJH? Is that still available in print? Yeah, it's a tiny little pamphlet. Yeah, you just get it on Amazon. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. I had several yeah. people ask me about that um, yeah. uh, uh, after the show, and I, I gave them what information I had. But if you uh, if you want to mention that again today, I think people – I think it's an interesting thing, and I, I keep meaning to take it up. I haven't taken the time to actually write it out and have it in my hand. So that's something I need mm-hmm. to do this week. But – it does work, so we'll we'll talk about that as well. Chris Story, um, the man from Homer, 
in our uh, on the phones, ready to go with us. All right, are you guys ready? I'm ready. I'm ready to do this thing. Um, we're going to jump into it with Chris, and then I think uh, I believe Rob Myers is going to be joining us in the third segment. He just sent me a message, said he's been following this issue on the trucking from Toke to uh, Fort Knox pretty closely. And we'll get some uh, details from him on that on the other side as well. Please like and share this video. Like and follow the show page. If you're on YouTube, please hit the subscribe button and ring the bell. Let's do this thing. The Michael Duke Show. Common Sense Radio. It's a Matt Funicello. Oh, yeah. I know. It's a surf party, baby. It's a surf party. We're all up for it. Um, All right. Well, let's uh, dive into our weekly life coaching lesson with none other than the man, the myth, the Tony Robbins of Alaska. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome to the program, Mr. Christopher Story. Hello, my friend. What's, uh, I know that was, would you like me to record that for you? We can put that on your phone. I mean, it'd be a great greeting, you know. I would like a, a little bit of a sounder in the background of a crowd cheering and, you know, that kind of a thing. But yeah, I like that a lot. You, you like you, that a lot? You tickled me early. Okay. Well, that's, that's my job. Tickling you early and often is my job. <laughs> uh, all right, my friend. So, um, you wanted to mention, you wanted to talk today. Your topic was, uh, a question, basically, to the listeners. Are you running a protection racket? And yeah. uh, so, I mean, I don't know. Maybe I am, uh, based on what you're saying or what you're thinking. Give us, uh, let, let's let's jump into it. I came to the Sopranos late in life. And that's, that's not an embarrassing statement to make. I think <laughs> I ignored the Sopranos for my entire adult life until three years ago. And then I consumed all, what was it, five or six seasons, whatever it was, in the span of like a month. So I became an expert in, oh, and that say, later that month or the next month, I watched uh, a movie called Goodfellas. Ah, uh, yeah, heard yeah. This. <laughs> right, um, right. But there's this whole subculture of uh, Italian American uh, entrepreneurship, entrepreneurship that I was totally unaware of. Um, anyway, but in a serious note, protection. It's a racket. You know what it is. You're suppressing other people's rights. You're extorting them. You're taking away their rights, and you're in exchange for money. You, you won't hurt them, and you won't let anybody else hurt them either. But my question is, are you running a protection racket on yourself? Are you holding your own self hostage, not risking too much, uh, never never really allowing yourself to step out towards the edge? You never get a chance to taste the, the salty edges of not measuring up because guess what? You didn't actually put yourself in the arena to risk it. It's so much safer to stay wrapped in the warm cocoon of what you've always done because potential is always alive in our mind. And if it's alive in our mind, nobody can take it away from you. You never failed if you didn't try, but you're growing in your mind of like "Mm, one day, maybe, but that undiscovered opportunity in that one day, maybe nothing ventured, no one can blame you. So we say nothing ventured, nothing gained, but really it's nothing ventured. Hey, nobody can blame me. So <laughs> right. I'm concerned that, that if you're running the protection racket on yourself, it's going to feel good for a while. 
because you get to avoid failure. But at some point, you're going to look back about something you thought about, dreamt about, wanted to do, wanted to go, somebody you wanted to become, something you wanted to accomplish in your life. And you look back and you go, I want to risk it. But now the tightrope has gotten higher and higher over the years. And it, it gets to a point where it seems impossible to venture out on it. So what, what seems like a, a, a dream that could be within your reach today in 20 years delayed, it could be so far away, there's no way you're going to risk it. So that running that protection racket on yourself puts you in a very comfortable, safe place, but also it's one of the most dangerous places to stand on earth. Maybe I should put it in words that you understand that by running a protection racket on yourself, you're actually kneecapping your future opportunities. Yes. Nice. Yeah. yeah Way you to like go. That. You like that, huh? I mean, you took your future opportunities out back and you put one behind its ear. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, that's right. You cut your own horse's head off. Exactly. <laughs> no, but I mean, I, I hear what you're saying because, I mean, today it's always about, right, FOMO, right? Fear of missing out or fear of failure or fear of this or fear of that. We live in a society that it really lives and breathes fear in a lot of ways. And, uh, and it seems like that is what is the driver for many things that we're doing, uh, whether it's fear of COVID or fear of missing out or, you know, what, whatever, fill in the blank. There's a lot of different things. We need to understand how to harness that, uh, harness that fear and put a halter on it and, and, you know, pull the wool back on it so that we can take those leaps. Sometimes you got to take the leaps. Like you said, nothing ventured, nothing gained. We're only learning the nothing ventured part. We're not listening to the nothing gained part that you have to risk sometimes to be able to succeed. And it seems like with the participation trophies and everything else that we got anymore, everybody is just like, we don't want to hurt anybody's feelings. We don't want anybody to get hurt or be afraid or, you know, we've got, you've got to stretch outside that comfort zone. Look, I I spent 20 years building this business. You expect me to just go, uh, take a flyer on this thing over here, well, only if that's what you, you want, if you have a, a desire. So I think it's a couple, it's three things combined. It's the measure of your desire. It's your ability to believe in what you're capable of. And can you imagine it? Can you have an option? Can you take and and see it? And if there is something you can see and it's something that you're drawn to, but you've yet to risk going for it, or you've yet to allow yourself to fail in an effort to just see what you're capable of. Uh, that's all I'm worrying about. I'm not suggesting we take a scorched earth approach. I think one of the things we've learned over the last few years is that you are capable of more than you ever thought before. And I think that our country is, is capable. I think we're rebounding. I think we're starting to unify. I think it's coming in it's strange ways, but unification is coming. Uh, and I don't mean in a socialist or you know communist way. I mean a unification of that's right. This is a country of rugged individuals that take right. risks. We are a risk-oriented people. That is the reason we've been the shining city on the hill. We have that opportunity in this country still, and I believe in each and every one of us with that opportunity. Jim Rohn had four questions that I think would hone this into a way to how do you apply this? Because I know you're going to ask me, well, how do you apply Okay, right, i got four exactly. questions from Jim Rohn, and Jim Rohn is an incredible business philosopher and somebody who wrote books and spoke for, for 30 years after he didn't have to. He'd made his fortune, and then he went out and said, you know what, I want to share this. And in the process of sharing it, made another fortune, but he didn't need it. Um, 
but he took the money. He'd always say that. I don't need the money, but, <laughs> but I I'll take, take the money. It. But I'll take it. Right. Exactly. So when you think about this protection racket, you think, okay, am I, am I really protecting myself or am I actually, you know, muzzling myself? Ask these four questions about something that you wish to do, something you want to become, something you want to accomplish. This is the first question. Number one, why? Do you really understand why? Nietzsche said, any, with a strong enough why, you can withstand any how. Why? Why do you want this? Why do you say you want this? Why, um, why haven't you gotten it so far? Why haven't you done it? Why have you been holding yourself back? Ask that question again and again. Why? The second question, relative to as you look at what it is you think or say you would like to accomplish or do, second question is, why not? Why why not? Right. Why not have that? Why not right. do that? Why not become that? Why not contribute this thing to the world that you might have been holding yourself back? And the third question, why not you? I think self-confidence is the missing ingredient, the elixir of life that so many of us are lacking in these areas that we're protecting ourselves from fear is because we're lacking in self-confidence. Why not you? Why, why does it have to be that? Well, of course, that person could do it. Why? No, why not you? You are capable. You have capacity. You have enough passion if it's harnessed and put in the right direction. Why not you? And then the fourth and the most powerful sort of potent question of all four that Jim asked was, why not now? This is your time. This is the right. time to start. Why not now? The why action. wait until the kids get out of school? Or why wait till you retire? Why wait till this happens? Start right. now. Well, again, that's that's where you get into the analysis paralysis, right? You got the first three down, and you can circle think on those for as long as you want. But when you're baked in a squat, you've got to take that action phase. Why not now? What I mean, why not now? Is it going to be better later on? Is it going to be better when the kids are out of school or when the kids are out of diapers or when the kids are out of the house? I mean, why not now? Wouldn't you like to enjoy the benefits of that now versus later? But a lot of people... Like you said, they get for those first three, and then they're like, ooh, 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 protection racket. I got to protect myself because if I fail, yeah. if I fail, then it's then it's what? If you fail, then, then what? I don't think people think beyond that. All they think of is if I fail, okay, you failed. So what? I mean, I'm not a huge fan of Thomas Edison, right? I'm, a te- I'm, in, I'm in Team Tesla. I'm not in Team Edison. But one thing that always struck me about uh, Edison is that the guy was, I mean, he was, he was dogged. He said, they said he tried 10,000, almost 10,000 permutations on the filament of the light bulb before he finally found one that actually worked. 10,000 failures. I mean, so he failed 10,000 times. It was that 10,001th time that made him a superstar, right? And so if, you, I, yeah. if you fail, so what? What I love about his story is, though, that he was kicked out of school in, what, third grade or something. So, yeah, he's too stupid. He's uneducated. We can't educate right. this kid. Right. Well, shit, that's Einstein. Remember Einstein? They said he was, uh, basically, they said he was retarded because he couldn't tie his own shoes. Um, I mean, because that was just one of his things. And then later on, he's like, yeah, uh, Nobel Prize, baby. Uh, you know, I mean, what what is it? You, you, that goes back to the whole uh, you know, be careful of who you surround yourself with. But really, think about it, Chris. People go, "What if I fail?" And nobody bothers to ask them. Well, what if you fail? How many times have people failed all around you? How many successful people have failed? I guarantee you, every successful person has failed at least once. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. You know what I like 
is the, the pursuit of happiness is guaranteed in, well, it's, it's an inalienable right that we've got, but it's guaranteed in the doctrine. It's guaranteed in our, our the preamble to the Constitution. I love that. And But it's the pursuit. Perfection is in the pursuit. That's where the happiness lives. It's in the pursuit, not not a guarantee of happiness, but a pursuit thereof. And I think that's the same thing with what we're talking about today, that if you wish to do something and you've been protecting yourself, you've been holding yourself back and shielding yourself from that risk, uh, this is a time to let go and understand that it'll never be a perfect time except to begin now and begin to pursue what it is that you want. And and then I, I come back to that other question about be careful about what it is you say you want because if you don't truly believe it, if you don't have the belief, the expectancy, and the desire, then you're actually just going to be disappointing yourself. Right. Uh, so you've got to combine those three. Expectancy, can you visualize it and see it? Do you have the desire, and do you believe in it? Well, and you've said several times, and you say it in your book, The Backyard Millionaire, available on Amazon and Audible, by the way. Um, yeah, uh, you say it in your book, be careful of the people you surround yourself with, right? I mean, you've got the whole circle, who's inside the circle, who's outside the circle, but this, this focuses on the hidden enemy within the circle, which is yourself. I mean, you, you know, if you don't give yourself permission to fail, then you will always be baked in a squat. You will, you will suffer from analysis paralysis. And so you've got to be willing to fail. You've got to be willing to fail. But I mean, and if you do fail, at least make sure you fall forward, right? Because at least you're six feet closer to your goal and then get up and do it again and fall down and six feet closer. And, you know, maybe it takes once or twice or maybe it takes like Dadison, maybe it takes a thousand times, but you will eventually get there if you give yourself permission to do that. And you'd asked me, uh, just before we jumped on here, you'd asked me about the the little book I shared weeks ago called It Works by R. H.J., R.H.J., and he wanted it to be anonymous. It's a tiny little pamphlet. It's about a 20-minute, if you're thinking it's about a 20-minute read, you can blow through it less than that, but it's a, this incredible little pamphlet, and that's all it really is, is a little tiny pamphlet for about $4, and uh, you can pick it up on Amazon. It's it's fantastic, and it, it outlines exactly a, a rule, a plan, a way to move forward towards something like you and I are talking about, and and truly, it works. And that's, that's the whole concept behind that is to, to really identify what it is you want based on importance and then look at it daily, three times a day. Look at it. Believe what you're reading. Believe what you say. Have a sense of expectancy that you can visualize and, and harness the image in your mind of accomplishing, doing, or getting. And then it's about believing and then being very careful about who you share it with so as not to even see that little crooked expression on somebody's face. That's right. Like, oh, there's the why not you. Yeah, because you're a loser. That's right. And you talk to yourself. Zig Ziglar always said that. You talk to yourself like you'd never let somebody talk to you in your life. You let yourself dump trash in your mind. You never let somebody else come and do that to your home. So anyway, I just wanted to share that again. That It works by R.H.J. When you're on Amazon getting the Backyard Millionaire, pick up a copy of that as well. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I'm looking forward to it. I know we're going to be... Uh... I'm gonna be I'm gonna be focusing on that, and I'm actually gonna be reporting back to you on that because I'm uh, taking the lessons from that, and I want to talk about that. Uh, I have to laugh because uh, Harold in the chat room says a pamphlet to change your life. Sigh. I I got to tell you, I have had more. I've read a lot of books over my lifetime. I've read a lot of books on thought and and self help and everything else. I will say that a couple of the books that changed my life more than anything else were the small ones, the little pamphlets. You know, the 26 pages of As a Man Thinketh, uh, you know, the go-getter, um, you know, things like that. 
a lot of times it's the small things that are succinct that don't have all the flowery stuff in it that change your life more than anything else. Final thoughts, Chris Story. I think that's a great comment to make in general that we overcomplicate or we expect it needs to be we need to be complicated. We need to know is RHJ a PhD? Does it, what are what is his bonus three days in this? All you need to know is a single word can change your life. It doesn't take even a pamphlet, one single word. But my word for you is belief. I believe in you, even Harold. I think you've got within you what it is that you need and can accomplish anything in your life. And I can't wait to see what this year brings for you. Absolutely. That that pamphlet, by the way, It Works. That's what it's called. It Works by RHJ. You can find it on Amazon right next to The Backyard Millionaire, written by my friend Chris Story, available on audible.com, read by some guy from the radio. Um, mm-hmm. and, uh, I guess it's, uh, I guess it's been doing pretty good. So I'm excited. To it has more. been, you, you bring it to life, the comments I constantly, and I never mind it either. I never mind that people that listen to the audiobook tell me more about the narration than they do the writing. It doesn't matter to me. You, you bring that story to life. So you're, you are half the story. Yeah. Well, I got to tell you, um, it's all the, the, the source material is all important in those kind of things. When you're, when you're performing something, if the source material is crap, then what you're doing is crap. But if it's good, <laughs> If it's good, then uh, then it's all due to the source material. It has very little to do with what I do. So, Chris Story, the man from Homer, thank you so much, my friend. As always, looking forward to the first uh, Tuesday of next month, the new Backyard Millionaire segment. So we'll talk more about that next week, okay? Right on. Thank you, Michael. All right, folks, we're out of time. we got more coming up. We're going to jump into this. Uh, Rob Myers, Senator Rob Myers, is going to be joining us here right after the break. Uh, and we're going to talk about uh, this uh, trucking thing. He says he's been following this quite closely, and we'll be talking with him about that here in just a moment. The Michael Duke Show, common sense, liberty-based, free-thinking radio. Our light, our guide, and our trusted friend. Yeah, I mean, I got to say, I, I, you know, it just I half the time I have to roll my eyes when Harold writes a comment, but um, especially on that one where he's basically saying, oh, it's a pamphlet, pshaw, a pamphlet to change your life. Blah. Some of the books that have changed my life. And again, as a man think is, is the one that comes to me. I remember I used to have it. And uh, I mean, I've, I've had several copies over my life because I've reread it so many times. But remember, I had this I had a copy of it that was about, I don't know. One and a half, two inches by maybe three inches, this little yellow hardcover book. And it was like 26 pages. And and imagine pages that were legible. So I don't know how many pages it is when you put it on a full. Th- but I mean, it um, that book changed my life. And it was really a pamphlet. It really was a pamphlet. Um, and uh, it changed it changed my outlook on everything. So, yeah, maybe I didn't need the 300-page manual on how to make my life better. I mean, I've read a couple of those, and they, I got a lot out of them, don't get me wrong. But sometimes it's the simplest thing, the simplest phrase, maybe one single sentence that can turn your whole life. And all you're ever doing is searching for that one phrase. So, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's good stuff. Um. <clears throat> Uh, Alaskan Bull said he listened to that book last week. I'm not sure if he's talking about The Backyard Millionaire or It Works, but uh, 
Whichever book it was, Bully, you'll have to give us a, a review of it and tell us what you thought about that. Uh, all right. Uh, looks like uh, Rob Myers is on the phone with us this morning, ready to go. Good morning, sir. How are you? Uh, good morning, Michael. We're doing okay so far. Oh, good, good. Every day above ground, a good day, right? I mean, that's kind of the... <laughs> That's that, the, that's what they keep telling me anyway. I know, really. That's kind of the thing is that it's just every day above ground is a good day. Um, all right. Well, we're going to be back to you here in just a hot second, Rob, so don't go anywhere. Um, it's easy to tear people down instead, uh, people and ideas, to tear down people and ideas instead of doing something. Well, it's always easier to destroy than it is to build, right? That's That's what it is. It's always easier to destroy than it is to build. That's just kind of a, <clears throat> that's, it seems to be kind of a natural, um, a law of nature almost. A law of nature. Um, trucking all that dirt and gravel down the Richardson Highway will tear the road up with a truck every 15 minutes apart, says Chris. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I mean, I had to laugh. Somebody said earlier, only in Alaska do people think that four more, more vehicles an hour is a massive influx of traffic. I mean, granted, we're not, uh, you know, we're not I-5 in California or, or Washington or something. But, I mean, it would still be a significant bump, I would say, um, on that. Um, but, you know, yeah, I, 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 see, I see the point. I mean, I definitely think it was, it's going to offer more wear and tear on the, on, the, uh, on the highway for sure. But, I mean, there's always a benefit. There's always more wear and tear when you increase traffic, whether it's for construction, military convoys. Um, uh, mining or even hauling fuel back and forth. There's always, if there's more, there's always going to be more. So, um, <clears throat> all right. Um, let's uh, let's see what else is uh, in the what else is in the chat room here. Um, they're wanting to backfill the 1,800 foot deep pit at Fort Knox before they said the pit will fill with water and become a recreational attribute to Fairbanks. Jim is not happy with Fort Knox on that stuff, apparently. Um, let's see. Uh, vaccination, COVID, grocery stores increase traffic too, says Barbara. I agree with that. Uh, Jim says, stuck behind either an army convoy or a bunch of ore trucks, just floor it and hope you can get past them. There's not much difference. I mean, kind of true. And if it's one every 15 minutes, I mean, how, you know, if you're traveling at 61 miles an hour and they're traveling at 60 miles an hour, that means that you only have to pass it every 15 minutes, right? I mean, so I, I just don't know. I, I don't know. Um, the trucks are safe, says Jeannie. The four-wheelers sharing the road with them are the problem. I don't really see four-wheelers sharing the road being a problem, Jeannie. Uh, you don't see a whole lot of four-wheelers on the highway. Um, some of the other feeder roads and side roads, I could see that, but I don't have a problem with people riding four-wheelers on the highway or, or, or on the side of the road or snow machines, quite honestly. As long as they're obeying the rules of the road and they're not pulling out into traffic, I think that's, you know. Again, uh, I, this, this goes back to my whole vaccine thing. I think we're all adults and we should be treated like it. We should be able to make our own decisions. When you break the rules and interfere with somebody else, then that's a whole deal. <clears throat> Tell the corrupted state-owned railroad to build a rail from Toke to Fairbanks, says Harold. Well. I mean, we'd love to see it, but again, at two million bucks a mile, somebody's got to pay for that. I think that was the, if I recall correctly, that was the last dollar figure that I saw on that. That it's about two million bucks a mile to build railroads in Alaska. 
Did GoFundMe steal the truckers' money? Uh, yeah, well, they didn't steal it. They refunded it to everybody, and now the truckers have got a new GoFundMe thing. It's Go Send Me or something. It's a different one. They've already raised about four million bucks on that site. So there's a whole other th- reason. Magazine's got an article about that, Sandy. If you want to go take a look at it. All right, we're coming back up on it. Rob Myers is our guest. The Michael Duke Show, Common Sense Radio. Here we go. Welcome back to the program. Uh, continuing now, one final segment. Uh, joined now by special guest um, uh, Rob Myers, uh, Senator Rob Myers, who was listening to this discussion about the uh, trucking from Toke to uh, Fort Knox, and uh, sent me a message that said, "Hey, they've been they've been uh, following this uh, quite a bit, and he's happy to discuss it with us." And so uh, we welcome him to the program to discuss it this morning. Good morning, sir. How are you? Doing well so far, Michael. How about yourself? No complaints. No complaints. Nobody listens anyway, so there's really no point. Um, let's <laughs> let's talk about uh, let's talk about this proposal uh, by by this new mine down in Toke, and uh, with no processing facilities is what they're planning as of this moment, and they're going to be trucking everything up to Ken Ross uh, Fort Knox out uh, past Fox, and um, they're saying upwards of a base, I guess, four trucks an hour. Uh, what's your what's your thought on that? Okay, so here's the here's the general rundown. They are supposed to uh, have this mine in operation starting in 2025. It's supposed to last approximately five years, and they, as you say, they will be trucking. They'll be doing some some uh, small processing of the ore uh, on site to concentrate it slightly. Then they'll be loading it into side dumps and double trailers and taking it up to Fort Knox. Um, you are correct. They are looking at approximately four trucks an hour, about one truck every 15 minutes. Uh, and there are two possibilities. A lot of it depends on who uh, gets awarded the bid. And that's supposed to be awarded sometime next month, last I heard. And there's a possibility that they can either put it in the long doubles that you are used to seeing on the parks or the Richardson. And those doubles are long enough that legally and technically, once you get it to Fairbanks, you have to split it and then take them up as singles up to Fort Knox. Or you can do a little shorter set of doubles that'd be about 25 feet shorter. And that one, you could actually leave them together and take them up to Fort Knox. Um, Ken Ross has said that they prefer the second option, but that that's all wrapped up within the bids from the trucking companies. And there's like three companies still left in the bidding process last I heard. And like I said, they're supposed to have that announced next week. Right. Um, so, uh, yes, definitely a lot of new traffic. Here's a couple of things that we've picked up from Ken Ross and from DOT lately, though. Uh, first off, this is what DOT is telling me. If you take the truck traffic that currently exists on the Richardson Highway, add in the truck traffic that is supposed to be coming from this new Ken Ross project, that means that the truck traffic on the Richardson between Delta and Ileson would now be approximately equivalent to the truck traffic already going through Cantwell on a daily basis. Okay. So, so this, this is well within their capabilities in terms of maintenance, 
and, and keeping up with the wear and tear on the roads. So um, <laughs> I would that's, only, that's the first I, thing to, to I think would about. only I would only make the argument that having driven many of those roads between Cantwell and Fairbanks, uh, there are several there are several sections of that road there that I might argue that they have a hard time keeping up on. But I see your point. I mean, I, I see your point on there. Uh, that road has gotten better over the years. Uh, and four trucks an hour doesn't seem like a huge increase overall. I guess it just would see, I guess you just have to, I guess we'd have to see it in action. Right. Yes. It, and, and it would be um, a significant increase in some areas. They said that uh, in Delta, you're looking about a 20% bump in traffic in terms of number of vehicles. In the Fairbanks area, we have enough traffic here that you're looking at just under a 1% bump. So uh, I believe that Fairbanks would absorb the traffic just fine. It would be more of an issue on the highways. Um, you know, the Richardson, the Alcan, that's uh, taken up a lot of the talk. Um, there's also some things that we've been talking about with DOT that hasn't seemed to have um, garnered as much attention, uh, but they're also examining the Steese Highway from Fairbanks up to Fort Knox itself. Uh, right. And they're looking at a possibility of a couple of projects there to make sure that that road is ready for them as well. Well, again, I mean, I I see a lot of potential. I see a lot of upside, and of course, people don't like change. And there's probably a little bit of a of a NIMBY uh, factor in this, and not in my backyard factor. But at the same time, I think we can overcome it. I mean, I really do. I don't I don't think that this is. Uh, I I just don't I don't know as that will. Uh, um, be that big a deal now that's four trucks per hour is that both coming in and going out combined or is it does that make it eight trucks an hour coming in and going back that's four trucks an hour each way so it's eight trucks an hour essentially Mm -hmm. at that point so every eight minutes or so you're going to see a truck go go back uh one way either one way or the other uh and depending on where you are it'll be doubles or it could be singles Correct. Yes. Uh, if you're if, if they do have to split them once you get north of Fairbanks, then then, yes, you would you would have to then double that number theoretically uh, for what's going up to to Fort Knox. If they can keep them together, then it's still just that eight trucks an hour going up to Fort Knox north of Fairbanks as well. Well, so, uh, um, yeah, yeah I mean, a, and, and DOT has has said that there's they've got a lot of things in mind in mind as far as road upgrades between now and then. Uh, the big one that everybody has been talking about so far is adding in a lot of passing lanes on the Rich and on the Alcan, so that, as I believe one of your previous callers mentioned, you can get around those trucks uh, safely. Um, you know, we already deal with some of this with the military convoys and stuff. The difference, I think, is the military convoys for whatever reason, seem to drive 45 when the speed limit 65, but the trucks will, for the most part, attempt to do the speed limit. Um, the other thing that they've talked about is that there's a couple of bridges down on the Elkan that need replaced. Um, they're in between Toke and Dot, or excuse me, in between Delta and Dot Lake, um, because both of those bridges, the uh, while they've had some work on them over the years, the structures still date back to the late 40s. Right. And so they're hoping that they can use the federal infrastructure money to uh to replace those bridges here around 2023-2024 before the project starts right uh now i know there was a lot of talk in the chat room about uh rail why don't we just build out the extension from delta to toke instead and then they just have to truck it to the yard and toke and and rail it up uh that's a significant chunk as well but it would also have benefits that would pay out into the future 
Well, you're, you're right. I mean, but it's a significant chunk of change. And the thing to keep in mind is that this is really only a five-year project right now. And so you're not going to build a rail line for a project that's only going to last five years. If this project is going to last, you know, 30, 40 years, then, you know, maybe that might pencil out. But you're not going to build something, build, build a significant investment of, you know, 150 miles of track when you're only talking about using it and having that customer there for five years. Yeah. Okay. Well, but again, I think you'd have to look at a rail as being a long-term benefit to people in Toke and then potentially an extension out to the Canadian rail. But I, you know, it is what it is. All right. I'm, I'm, ex I mean, I'm interested in seeing what had gone and I'm excited about the possibilities. We just have to make sure that everything is taken care of. Um, all right. right. Uh, Rob, thank you for calling in this morning and talking about this. We're out of time today. Uh, appreciate it. Give us a heads up if anything changes on this. Okay. You bet. You bet. And I already dropped a link in the chat room to uh, a website that DOT has up uh, with a list of all the projects that they're looking at potentially in that corridor. All right. Thank you, Rob Myers, our guest uh, for this morning. We appreciate it. Folks, we're out of time. Tomorrow, we're going to be joined by Ben Carpenter in hour one and in hour two, Donna Ardwin and Joe Geldhoff talk about the permanent fund dividend. That's all up tomorrow. On Thursday, it's Mike Shower and more. The Michael Duke Show, Common Sense Radio. Be kind, love one another, live well. Well, that was a lightning fast show, but that's how we like them. The fastest two hours in radio, baby. Woo, baby. That's what we like to do. All right, my friends, we're out of time. We will see you tomorrow. Don't forget to check us out on Facebook. Like and follow the show page. Like and share the video. Don't forget to hit the subscribe button on YouTube and hit the bell to get notifications. We'll see you tomorrow. Shed our terrestrial radio skin, and now we are slimy lizard internet people. It's the Michael Duke Show.